Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. The Farm Answers Podcast takes a deeper look at projects funded by the USDA National Institute of Food and Agriculture's Beginning Farm and Rancher Development Program and how they are reaching beginning farmers and ranchers. Hi, Liza. Welcome to the Farm Answers Podcast. Hi there. It's great to be here. Today we have Liza Marin joining us. She works for the San Luis Valley Local Foods Coalition. And Liza, can you tell us a little bit about your organization, what you do there, the people that you serve? Absolutely. So the San Luis Valley Local Foods Coalition is situated in uh, very rural southern Colorado. We have 8,000 square miles in our San Luis Valley with 46,000 people that live there. Oh my and gosh. And so, yes, lots of elbow room here. And we're known for our potato, cow-calf, alfalfa, barley, and root and leafy green vegetables here. But we have a large export model. And so the community really wanted to create food security and healthy food access. And so we've been working hard to create a equitable local food system in the San Luis Valley that restores the health of the people, the community, the economy, and the ecosystem. And we do that through a farm incubator. We do that through a food hub that aggregates and distributes for about a hundred farmers. We have a cooking matters program teaching people to cook healthy and local. And we have a economic development project, local food, local places that really is creating a taste of place here and building our economy infused with local foods. Okay, you guys got a lot going on. So I'm hearing we have optimized like end-to-end supply chain solutions here. And it sounds like you're starting to jump a little bit into maybe what you were doing with your project. I was reading a little bit about it offline. And I think I read it was loosely based off a a project here in in Minnesota where I am with poultry. And I want to hear a little bit more about that and and why it was needed in your area. It sounds like you already have some really good things going on. So yeah, explain a little bit more about it. Absolutely. So I'm going to focus on the Rio Grande Farm Park story. And originally, as in rural Colorado, in many places, um, we had a uh, fabulous program to build rural schools. It was called the BEST program. So a lot of school campuses were abandoned to build new school campuses. And those old school campuses became really important infrastructure um, for like the local foods movements. For So, for example, our food hub is in the um, old Sangre de Cristo Middle school, high school. Our Rio Grande Farm Park was Polston Elementary K-1 campus, 38 acres. The Rio Grande runs through it. A farmer had farmed um, alfalfa on about 32 of those acres, and then six acres were reserved for the campus. And we had a longstanding school community garden there. And so when the school went up for sale, the community came together to save that land. And we had this vision to create an agricultural park. Well, while we were working on doing that, there is a whole community of folks that came from Guatemala in the 1980s during the political genocide that was going on. They came here as as political refugees and settled here. And many of them were working in a six acre indoor mushroom factory that went bankrupt. And so we were able to negotiate with the school district that those folks could come grow food because they come from an agrarian community and were really strong and good. Yes, very good at it. And meanwhile, we're trying to save this land while this beautiful food is being grown on it, demonstrating a beautiful alluvial soil right next to the river that is some of the best best in our region. And we were successful. In 2016, we were able to take title to the land. 
We named it the Rio Grande Farm Park. We have um, a five acre farm incubator where about 10 farmers have anywhere from a quarter acre to an acre and a half to build a farmer's market scale business. And many of the people that were attracted to our land were from the immigrant community because we already had this beautiful community growing food on our land. And so our incubator has grown from that. And now they have formed themselves into the Rio Grande Organic Growers Cooperative and taken leadership and really built something beautiful. So it's a little bit punny, but the seed was planted and now like you're watching it grow. It's grown into a cooperative. Operative and it sounds like people are able to scale their businesses as well. You're calling it a park too, which I find really interesting. Is it kind of like a park or is that just part of the name? Well, the truth of the matter is it's 38 acres. The Rio Grande runs through it. Education is really important to us. And so we have a whole environmental education program and actually only 17 acres are arable, growable land. And we do some cover cropping. We have three acres where folks have sustenance gardens just to feed their families and their communities. And then we have this five acre place, but we have a incubator space, but we have a nature play playground there. So a playground that mimics nature for our children. There's a lot of homeschoolers that come and use the park. We were able to build an education center with GOCO funds, which is Great Outdoors Colorado. That's if you buy a lottery ticket in Colorado, 50% of all those funds go to park and recreation and outdoor advocacy. And so, so you definitely qualify yeah. as a park then if you're getting yes. that funding and you have a playground <laughs> there. Absolutely. Yes. And really right across the footbridge on the other side of the Rio Grande is a convention community park. And so the community is well served by parks in the traditional style. So having this agricultural park really brings a different aspect. And we call them pearls on the Rio Grande, uh, another pearl to the Rio Grande. Oh, that's beautiful. I have not heard of an agricultural park before. And as a farm girl, that sounds like fun. I would go hang out there. I'd bring the kids there for the day. And as you're describing it, it just sounds beautiful next to the Rio Grande with the land and then all the things that you've done to really make it a a usable space. And I love that you partnered with the community so much. It's cool to hear. So we're reusing these assets. They're no longer for whatever reason needed. So we're reusing these school buildings and we're still getting a return on it. So there's just so many wonderful things that sounds like going on where you're at. So you mentioned though, that this is a farm incubator program. Can you tell me maybe a story about one of these immigrants that was able to go through your incubator program and has been able to scale or or do something different now as a result of it? I will say that most of the farmers that are with us have been with us since the beginning. So this idea of building a business and buying your own place and moving off has not been our model so far because most of our farmers came to us with challenges with land access. So we are working with LandLink to find opportunities. But in the meantime, we do have some long time. We started in 2016 and this is 2022. So we do have some folks who've been with us from the beginning. But for example, Antonio Garcia, he has such a green thumb and he is renowned for growing these beautiful buttery bolita beans. And it's a bean that's an heirloom seed from Mexico originally, but San Luis, which is one of the oldest communities in in uh, the San Luis Valley, actually in Colorado, but in the San Luis Valley. And they have these beautiful heirloom bolita beans that have come 
up through the generations. And so he grows this beautiful bean. And, and so he's uh, at the farmer's market. He's goes to the Valley Roots Food Hub. He sells out in his bolita beans every year and his garlic. He's well known for his garlic and for his spinach. He has this beautiful perennial spinach, but he is, you know, a story of success. He sells everything he grows and he's made a name for himself and people seek out his products because of this relationship at the Rio Grande Farm Park. Oh, it sounds like a quality product. I've not heard of these beans before. <laughs> he calls his business Tierra Sana. He's a, a big proponent of organic and healthy, just healthy food and healthy soil and Tierra Sana. You know, it's the health of the soil that comes out as a flavor in his beans. Ooh. And then a perennial spinach too. Are those common things that are being grown by the folks in your incubator program or does it really vary across the board? I mean, it varies across the board. Another success story is Infinity. So we have this woman, Kari Kanari, and she is an artist and a builder and a beautiful grower. And she's she does herbs and she makes all these teas. She's just opened an apothecary. So that's another success story. So there's an apothecary in town in Alamosa that you can access her beautiful teas and many other the products from the farm park. And so she's unique in the focusing on the er, the herbal products. We have a lot of squash and onions and garlic and beans and uh, fava beans is a really beautiful product that is somewhat unique to the farm park. And peas are in big demand right now. We've got the beautiful, you know, shelling peas that everybody can't wait for them to come in, kind of nature's candy. They are nature's candy. The rabbits have been eating all of mine this year and I am like beyond devastated. Okay, so goodness. So you, I mean, really your program sounds like it's just doing amazing things. So if you're seeing people, they have this land, maybe they haven't accessed their own land yet, but you're seeing them develop into some sort of business, whether it's a farmer's market or a storefront. The apothecary is a really unique one. So if I'm a beginning farmer, how do I engage with your program? Most of the folks who've come to join us have come by word of mouth. However, we do have an opening and an application process every spring. So far, we haven't had to turn anybody away. We've been able to find enough space on our 38-acre farm for new folks. You would come in that we have an agreement, you know, organic land practices, you know, sharing the water in a, you know, civil and lovely way and and uh, you know being willing to be responsible for some liability insurance and and being a good steward of your weeds it's kind of some of those kind of things and then to agree to be part of our education process in the winter so we have really great speakers on soil health and and on cooperative business development and on land access and then we have peer education too so we have you know wonderful knowledge within our group of farmers so they also share knowledge with each other and so that's really enjoyable and then we get going, you know, this is a short growing season. Frost to frost was June 10th to September 10th. We're at 7,600 feet on the valley floor. That's a very short growing season. Goodness. But, you know, nature has given us Indian summers. And so so we don't always, you know, have to end it all September 10th. But that would be, you know, really preparing the land and getting in and, you know, is it April, May and then and then, you know, things begun to come up in June and, and we have a beautiful uh, on-site market on the farm with music and food and, and it's very lively, the Mercadillo de, del Rio. And that's uh, a really fun aspect for the incubator farmers. And then our gardeners, our family gardeners, they're welcome on the land. They have free access. They don't have to pay to be there, but they're prohibited from selling their product in a handshake agreement. 
All right, so if I want to engage in the program, I need to go online. I need to apply. It happens in the springtime, and you don't turn people away is what I heard. You figure it out somehow, some way. Well, we haven't had to so far because farming is hard work. It's not, yeah, it's not for the light of heart. (laughs) No, no, it is not. What's next for your program? How are you going to continue to help beginning farmers? We have built this education center. We've built educational programs, but they're, you know, they're in their beginning stages. We really want to solidify our curriculums, really reach out to, you know, beginning farmers across the six county region and not just serve the farmers on the land, but also to embrace the beginning and and other farmers who are interested across the valley. And to, you know, we're, we've gotten to the place where we can perhaps hire a dedicated education director that that would be their job is curriculum and education. And then we have all these beautiful relationships with people of the land who come in and we'll do a, a Migdio Balon from the Pueblo, you know, New Mexico Pueblo farm and just different Tezuke uh, Pueblo and just different folks that you know, just bring a beautiful perspective in teaching and we, you know, honor them with honorariums and bring them in. So just building that program and doing more of what we do well, we're not really trying to get bigger. We're just trying to get better. Oh, I think that's great. It sounds like, you know, your mission and your vision really well, and you're focused on that. And, and that always brings success. Uh, Liza, you didn't mention it, but you are the also the founding director, right, of this program? I am the founding director of the organization. Many people went into creating the farm incubator and we have a, a beautiful farm manager. We have a Julie Mordecai. I just want to give a shout out to her. She really helped build this program. We looked to Beth Lachelle at Fort Lewis College. They have a beautiful farm incubator and they really mentored us in getting going. And I know they've been part of the beginning farmer rancher development program nationally. I got to go to a beautiful farm incubator gathering nationally in California that was so inspiring to be with all these different farm incubators across the nation and learn what they're doing and glean, you know, ideas. And then there's this beautiful bank of curriculum. So we don't always have to, you know, reinvent the wheel. There's just a beautiful library of curriculum, national curriculum that we can draw from too. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with borrowing from people if it's well done. Sometimes if it isn't broke, you don't have to fix it. Right. Right. You are very humble in acknowledging all these people, just as you were talking about the program and like a lot has happened. I know you're like, we've been around for a while, six years. What I'm thinking is you've been around pretty short amount of time and holy smokes, have you gotten a lot of work done? And um, some of that credit must have to go to your founding director. So nice job. (laughs) Okay, last thing here. We're really grateful you were able to join, but where can people learn more about these programs? Absolutely. So go to riograndefarmpark.org and you will find all the resources you need. And you can also call 719-539-5606. Okay, very good. And do you guys have social media at all where people can check you out on Instagram or Facebook? Yes, you are speaking to an elder, but (laughs) we have a beautiful Instagram. We have a Facebook. We're not much in Twitter, but we really have a great Instagram and Facebook presence. And so that's a great place to find us. And if you do Rio Grande Farm Park, you'll find us in both places. Delia Torres is our social media guru, and she's she's amazing. It sounds great. You're doing wonderful work where you are. Thank you for joining us today, Liza. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for listening to the Farm Answers podcast. This episode was hosted by Betty Burning, produced by Curtis Monken and Jeff Reisdorfer. Listen and subscribe to the Farm Answers podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major streaming platforms. 
tell your smart device to play the Farm Answers podcast. To learn more about this USDA NIFA BFRDP project and other projects, visit farmanswers.org. The Farm Answers podcast and farmanswers.org are funded by the United States Department of Agriculture, National Institute of Food and Agriculture, and are a product of the Center for Farm Financial Management at the University of Minnesota. 